You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reader and brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly owned subsidiary of 12th Man Solutions Limited. Hi there and welcome to episode 26 of the Exhibitionist Podcast. I'm your host, Nicola Reader, and this week we'll be speaking to Emily Foster, who is a dietitian and Director of Glowing Potential Nutritional Communications. And Emily will be talking to us about how you can keep fueled up and energised to give your best performance on the trade show floor. So on the last episode of the podcast, we were starting a debate about whether the events and exhibitions industry in the UK feels a little too transactional. And we asked for your feedback about whether you felt like it was too much hard sell or whether there was a really good degree of collaboration out there. And thank you for all the feedback we got. It was certainly varied. We had some event organizers who got in touch with us quite rightly, defensively, to say they work really hard to add value for exhibitors and create programs and initiatives where exhibitors can get involved and get much more out of their events than just what they deliver from their space on the trade show floor. And that's great. There are loads of exhibitions that are doing that. And kudos to all of you guys who are working really hard with exhibitors. However, we did hear from a number of exhibitors as well who said it can totally depend on the show and they would reflect those views of event organisers and say there are some that are working hard, but they also have experiences of other shows where perhaps the organisers aren't working quite as hard, it is very much a negotiation on price and once you've paid your price, it's pretty much you're left to your own devices, you're just a number and get on with it. So it feels like to us from your feedback that like everything in the exhibitions industry, there is no black and white yes or no answer. There are some things and some companies where it's working really well and some where it could work harder. And really it will be on a event by event basis as to what kind of service and what kind of added value and experiential you'll get from the organizer you're working with. But in a really timely written piece, I want to refer to Exhibition News. I know it's a magazine I often reference in the podcast, but they have a great feature called Great Expectations in the October issue, where they held a roundtable of interested stakeholders from the exhibitions industry to talk about how the events organisers can add more value for exhibitors and whether enough was being done. And I think the basis of this piece was really around this obsession we have for chasing numbers and whether talking to visitor, talking to exhibitors sorry, about how many people are going to come to a, along to a show is the right metric to be using. And there was lots of conversation in there around how event organisers can add more value for exhibitors. For example, the use of technology and how this is a great component, but how event organisers can use it more strategically to add even more value to exhibitors. But one of the really important points for me that came out was that it actually all comes down to the exhibitor objective and being really clear about what it is that they're trying to achieve. So there's a quote in here from uh, one of the contributors who said, if as an organiser you allow exhibitors to walk into a hall thinking that they're going to be walking away with 600 leads, they're going to fail. And worse still, they, they'll be operating in a negative atmosphere. And it's so common with the clients we come across when we sit down and talk to them about what's your objective for this exhibition? And they say, we just want to meet hundreds of people. Well, do you even know how many staff you need? What size of stand you need to be able to meet hundreds of people? And if you did meet those hundreds of people, how on earth do you follow up with them afterwards? 
So I think there's a really crucial point in there about one of the key things we feel that event organisers can really help exhibitors with is setting those realistic expectations. And as an industry in general, being less embarrassed, I think, about smaller numbers, it doesn't have to be that thousands of visitors because that's not a realistic number for any exhibitor. One of the other points I thought was really interesting that perhaps we don't really focus on as an industry is post-show marketing. So a lot of post-show marketing that's done by event organisers seems to be very focused around the visitor and the visitor experience and how that's made better for the next show. But actually, it made me think, is it ever used to help an exhibitor follow up on those objectives that they'd set? So if an exhibitor hasn't met the sorts of people they want to meet, hasn't had those key contacts coming over to their stand, but the event organisers hold data that says those people were there, How can that event organiser help extend the life of the show beyond just when the doors are open and help that exhibitor seek out the people that they want to talk to? How can it become a living brand over 12 months where it isn't just about the look of the draw or what happens on the day? It's actually about beyond that. If you didn't manage to meet the people that you wanted to at the show, but we know they were there, how can we try and facilitate some sort of connection after the show and make the event more meaningful than just the time the doors are open. And I kind of thought that's maybe somewhere that we could work a little bit harder as an industry. It might already be happening, and I would love to hear from event organisers who are more strategically using their visitor data to help support exhibitors post-show, and that the marketing isn't just about, did you have a good time? Did you find the coffee? Was it easy to get around? So if you have got a copy of Exhibition News, I would thoroughly recommend um, a read of Great Expectations. If you don't, I'm sure it's available online. I thought it was a great article and feels like there are definitely some things that are moving forward and helping exhibitors get a better value return, um, but there's still some work to go. But if you're doing great stuff, we would love to have you on the show talking about all the great things that you're doing, or if you're an exhibitor, all the great added value you've received from an event organiser you're working with. In fact, let's get you both on at the same time talking about a case study and the brilliant work you've done together. So over to today's conversation, and as I mentioned, it is with Emily Foster, who is a dietitian. Now, you might be wondering why on earth we would invite a dietitian onto the show, and what on earth does that have to do with the exhibitions industry? Well, one of the questions we often get asked on workshops from our delegates is, what is the best way to eat at an exhibition? We're constantly talking to them about not eating on your stand and how off-putting that can be for visitors. But if there's only a couple of you and you don't get chance for a long break, how do you fill yourself with the best sort of nutrition that you could possibly have to power up your performance? So Emily has some great hints, tips and advice. And I think the one big message coming out of this one is just stick to what you've always done. The first day of a trade show is definitely not the time to be changing your diet. So I'll hand over to Emily now and enjoy the conversation. So on this week's episode of the Exhibitionist podcast, we are excited to have with us Emily Foster. And Emily is the founder of Nutrition Consultancy Glowing Potential and is also a registered dietitian. So welcome to the show, Emily. Thanks so much for having me, Nicola. I'm excited to be here. And um, different for you being the other side of the microphone this week. Yes, yes. I don't do my own podcast anymore, but uh, I'm much more familiar of the interviewing side of things. So it's quite nice to be a guest. Yes. Well, hopefully a little bit more relaxed for you. So um, 
So before we get into talking about what Alistair might find is quite unusual for an exhibitions podcast, do you just want to give us a bit of background about your experience and the things that you've been involved in in your career? Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm a registered dietitian by training. My accent is Canadian, not that I mind being mistaken uh, for American. I have lots of American friends, Um, but I trained as a dietitian in Canada, um, sort of in Toronto and then on the East Coast of Canada as well. And I began my career by working for a really large Canadian retailer called Loblaw. And at that time when I was starting my career, they were hiring dietitians in store. So actually on the shop floor to work with customers as well as the staff to really improve the health and wellness of um, yeah of not only the customers in the store and the experience but also um, the, the the colleagues in the store that were working there. So it was a really exciting time for me, and I guess really that's where my really my love of kind of shows and talking to people and doing demos really started. I really really enjoyed that job and got to do a lot on the marketing side of things as well as you know the general dietitian health and wellness piece. Um, So we did lots of food demos. We did lots of um, sort of store health and wellness events. And yeah, and so when I left that role, I met my husband. So I now live in the UK. Um, I met my husband in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And then we moved over to um, uh, just south of London together. And I began working for Piccolo, which was a, at the time, startup baby food brand. And I was their marketing manager. So I sort of switched roles a little bit from the uh, more healthcare professional side to more the business marketing side. I really loved that. And then about a year after that, I started working uh, for myself. So I started going potential nutrition consultancy. And yeah, and so we work with food and wellness brands to help bring the science of nutrition to life. So that's a little bit about me and my company. Brilliant. And we have met you at a few exhibitions, a few events that we've worked on together where you've been a, a panelist or a chair for us on, on various theatres. So um the reason for inviting you on the show today, and our listeners might be thinking, oh, this is a bit unusual. Why have we got a nutritionist? This doesn't feel like it's got anything to do with exhibitions, but food plays such a huge role in how we perform and um, fueling our bodies. And it's a question we often get asked. So just to start off and get us into the flow with food, give us some of the basic headlines about why food is so important to how we perform as human beings. Yeah, I think as well, I'm always, I'm always careful with this answer because I think Um, Food is so much more than fuel and that sounds a bit loaded, but basically, you know, food is cultural, it's emotional, it's social, especially it shows like, you know, we've had really great conversations over dinners after the show and I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to sort of at trade shows, being able to make connections with other people, whether it's customers or whether it's other exhibitors, um, just through eating. So I think actually at shows in general, and I know that's not the question you've asked me, I'm going to move back to the original uh, in a sec here, but I think it's worth saying that, you know, it plays another part at shows other than just the nutrition aspect. Um, But of course, you know, food fuels our, our bodies as well. And so important to try and have balance there. One of the concepts that I wanted to kind of bring up today was um, there's a saying that says, don't try anything new on race day. So I think there's an element of like trying to have a healthy lifestyle and then bringing that to shows, not trying to sort of, you know, kickstart something when you're really busy and stressed out. So, um, but in terms of the major headline, I always tell people food is, is more than just 
fuel for our bodies. It's also uh, for our minds. And um, if you like a little bit of the woo for our spirits as well. So, you know, if you can, if you can make sure that you, that you eat well during shows, it's definitely going to help your performance. I love your reality there about, um, you know, kind of food being emotional and social and all those things, because we do kind of just think of it as this fuel for, for getting us through the day. And actually, as you say, there's, it is a really social experience at, at trade shows as well. Um, mm. So thinking about being on your best at a trade show, that working on those exhibition stands are really long, really tiring days. Um, and we hear a lot of people say, well, the best thing you can do is just fuel up on a massive breakfast, like fill your plate at the breakfast buffet, go for a bit of everything, have loads of carbs. That'll keep you going all day long. Is that a good recipe for success for those long days? I think, like I said, it, it depends on, you know, I really like that phrase. And this is more sort of when I've done a little bit of work with sports nutrition earlier on in my career, but it's that idea and like involved in sports myself, the idea that you don't try anything new on race day. And so why I keep saying that is because um, if you are used to having a big breakfast every day, by all means, go for it, have a big breakfast. If you are not, <laughs> don't have a big breakfast. I think, I think if you, um, you know, it's that idea of, trying to have sort of the trying to keep those uh healthy lifestyle elements that you have around the trade shows and, and bringing some of those things into the trade shows so if you like i said if you have a big breakfast um on a on a day-to-day -day basis go on have a big breakfast but if you don't don't feel like you need to join in on that you know but again it might be you're down there for the social aspect and maybe just to go down and have breakfast when you haven't had it before actually is a good thing to do, um, you know, I'll talk about in a little bit. Cause I know you you wanted to ask me about snacks and ideas around that for for trade shows. So maybe I can bring some of that back to breakfast. But um, yeah, so. In terms of the big cooked breakfast, if you do it all the time, go for it. Um, things like if you're nervous, so if you are speaking at an event or if you are, you know, even if it's your first or second trade show, you're just nervous, you know you're going to meet some buyers that you haven't met before um, and you have a lot of uh, fat at breakfast, you know, that, that can sit quite uncomfortably on your stomach. Or if you have something actually at the other end of the spectrum where it's quite high fiber uh, and your stomach, you know, you get a lot of nervous energy your stomach's maybe a bit that can start to move things through a bit quicker and that's not an ideal scenario either not pleasant things to talk about but things to think about so I would say stick with the same plan you have coming into the trade shows and maybe you want to be there at breakfast time from a social perspective but if you don't normally have that as your routine maybe just stick with what you know and I know it's not a super sexy answer but that is really kind of the advice I would give people do you know, it makes so much sense because when we're working, we're very lucky our, our office is, is in our back garden um, and we'll kind of just have a bowl of cereal at home and then we know we're going to be sitting in the office all day. So we kind of think we don't need a huge breakfast, we just have a bowl of cereal, that's fine. Gets us through to lunchtime, absolutely no problems. But then we think, by show day, we should really have more than that. And on the days that we have more, it gets to kind of half past 10 and you're starving again. And you think, well, when I'm sitting home in my office, that little bowl of cereal, it just gets me through. But that big breakfast didn't. Yeah, so it really, I think what you're saying. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends too, you know, I think there's the idea, like a lot of hotels will put on sort of that, that cheap fry up. And so it depends on where you're, I mean, I mean, I'd love to stay at a, at a spot where, you know, it's a really nice ritzy breakfast, then sign me up for the big breakfast. But if you know, it's just um, kind of quite a greasy, greasy morning, then I would say probably stick with your regular routine as much as you can. 
So you mentioned there about um, snacks and one thing we always say to exhibitors is just try not to eat on your stand as much as possible. It's so off-putting for visitors. They don't want to approach you. They don't want to get sprayed with your lunch. So you know, wherever you can, stay away from eating on your stand. The reality for small businesses is that they might be there on their own and they don't really have a choice. It's either don't eat all day or try and have something that's a little bit more inconspicuous but is packed with energy. So kind of yeah. what would your tips be on those really easy to eat quick snacks? Yeah, I have to laugh at that because when I used to work uh, as an in-store dietitian for for the supermarket chain, um, I, I remember vividly, and I, I laughed when I when um, I, I, we had talked about this question earlier because I, at the time, I was closing up a demo. I probably had twenty minutes left of the demo, and we were demoing like these peanut butter oat balls, and there had been no one around. It was kind of coming up to the end of the day, and I was just starving. And I thought, you know what? There's no one here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna eat one of these. And literally, as soon as I put it in my mouth, someone came by and wanted to stop and talk to me about something. And it was peanut buttery, and it was just, and it, it was. I'm sure it was. A very unprofessional and be very off-putting. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I get the whole "don't eat at your stand" thing, but I also can understand from the small business perspective as well of needing to have something to eat. And so, um, what I would suggest for that is, and this is kind of the advice I give for general snacking. So, in terms of the two, I, I kind of have a, a favorite. Um, combination when I'm putting together a snack or a really quick meal. And I always tell people aim to have one carbohydrate and one protein source. You can have more, you can have two carbohydrates or whatever floats your boat. So when I say carbohydrates, I mean uh, grains, I mean starches. So it could be things like uh, dried cereal. It could be things like toast. It could be things like fruit. It could be things um, like I'm trying to think of uh, like crackers. So carbohydrates are our body's fastest form of fuel, which make us, which means that they bring our blood sugars up and they make us feel full fast, which is great. They also contain things like fiber as well. Protein helps us stay a little bit fuller for longer. So when you put those two together, you have the carbohydrates that make you feel full quickly and you have the protein that will help bring you along and help you stay full a bit longer. So when I'm so when I give the suggestion as to what to make for a snack, I always say regardless of what it is, if you can have those two things put together, that's kind of the best value for money, the biggest bang for your buck, if you will. Trade shows, obviously, you know, you don't have a fridge there. And even if you do, it's probably for a display. So you shouldn't be putting anything in there from a food safety perspective. And so, uh, I, you know, I like a lot of outdoor stuff. I'm a really big fan of trail mix because it's literally kind of a, a kitchen sink sort of scenario where you can have cereal in there. You can have nuts, like you were saying before. They're a great source of protein. They're also a source of healthy fat as well, which makes us feel a bit full for longer. So that common combination of the carbohydrates, so the grains and the starches with protein, so um, nuts, seeds, um, eggs. Um, for trade shows, again, I was getting the option of like the, the peanut butter balls, but those obviously with like peanut butter that can get quite stuck in your mouth. So actually the, the nuts or the seeds might be a better option there. So my favorite is sort of the, the trail mix angle or the cereal bar angle. Um, there are obviously others. And if you're wanting to make your own, I would say that carbohydrate and protein combo is a really good spot to start. And I'm interesting you mentioned cereal bars there because that would be the kind of stuff we keep in our local when we're doing trade shows. Um, but you kind of tend to hear bad things about cereal bars sometimes and I'm, I'm never quite sure if 
they're the thing I should be eating or not be eating, and that some that are better than others. What, what should we look out for on, on cereal first? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it depends on, you know, there's kind of the easy way to look at it, was, which is the traffic light labeling system. So front of pack, you know, we've all seen that the red, amber, uh, and green labeling. And so obviously, you know, if you're going for a healthier option or an option, I like to say sort of an option you want to choose more often, because just because something has the red on the front of the label doesn't mean you should never eat it. It just probably is something you don't want every single snack. So look for the the red and the amber, or sorry, look for the green and the amber as opposed to the red and the amber when you're choosing a snack bar. Um, But for me, I always look for, and I look for this in cereal as well, the fiber and the sugar. So those are two things I tend to look at because that gives me a good idea as to, um, you know, A, how much sugar is in there. So particularly added sugars, so things like honey and syrups that are added to make it sweeter. Um, I would rather add in sort of dried fruit and then at least I have a bit of a a say over how sweet I want that particular snack. Um, But fiber, I mean, it's difficult. It's quite difficult actually to find healthy cereals. And that's why I I give the the ideas of sort of the green and the yellow. But in terms of fiber, if you can find per serving sort of like two to four grams, that's quite a good amount. And then um, with sugars, if you can look for sort of less than less than eight uh, per serving. And again, it changes. Some cereal bars are 30 grams, other are 50. So it really depends. But if you can get the sugar under the eight grams and, and the fiber sort of that, that sort of three, two, three, four, if you can, that's a good spot to start. But the traffic light labels are the sort of the quickest decision makers. Yeah, they are brilliant for just having a really quick look and thinking, okay, what have I had today? If it's all ready, if I've been really good all day, then I can probably have something with a bit of red in, but otherwise, yeah, keep the ambers and the greens. So if you're working as part of a team at a trade show and you have the luxury of getting a break and you can go away to one of the various food outlets around the hall, um, you've quite often presented with um, some quite traditional options so there'll kind of be fish and chips or pies and chips or there'll be those sandwich outlets the big coffee shops that have got paninis and toasties and I know I'm going to have venues saying oh we're really trying to bring in healthy options which I know a lot of them them are um, sometimes on that break you can feel like I've been on my feet all morning I'm really tired oh, God, I'm just going to have burger and chips because I deserve it and, and it's there kind of, that's maybe not the best option what, what would be a good option to make in some of those cafes that you see around venues yeah, I think, again, it, it's what you have to work with, isn't it? So like you say, it really depends on where you are. I think the first thing is, you know, don't beat yourself up if it, if it is quite difficult to find a healthy option, you know, just just stick to the portion sizes, try and have a serving of vegetables oftentimes. And I've, I, you know, I am guilty of this. I will come back from a trade show. It's been two or three days and I have not eaten a single vegetable. Um, You know, maybe I've had one at dinner, Uh, but you really do have to make a conscious effort at some of these spots to add in vegetables. It can be quite difficult. And even in the sandwiches, you get, you know, one leaf of lettuce and it it can be quite difficult. So if you can, what I would say is try and go, you know, obviously options like fish or chicken are a little bit um, less in saturated fat than some of the other meats that you'll get. Um, A lot of spots now are 
trying to bring in more sort of plant-based proteins, which tend to be lower uh, in saturated fat anyways, and they're quite high in fiber. So beans are a great option. Again, if you don't eat a lot of beans, probably don't eat them on show day, you know, just throwing that out there. Um, and because that can make you feel uncomfortable, but also the people around you uncomfortable as well. So yeah, so I what I would say is try try and um, get, you know, at least a serving of vegetables. So you know what you can what you can fit in sort of the palm of your hand in a uh, lunch or in a dinner time. And um, just really be be mindful of the portion sizes, because I think at the end of the day, you have to work with what's there. And if you haven't had the time to plan ahead and make your own lunch, then you are looking for options that are around. Um, lots of restaurants now are trying to do sort of the healthier option menu or the healthier option selection. Oftentimes, again, these would be sort of grilled chicken or um, a lower fat dressing or things like that. Um, but what I will say is if the menu does have calories on it, which a lot are bringing in, um, lower calories does not necessarily make the healthier choice because you might be hungry in an hour. So just because you know it's 200 calories, if you're going another four to five hours without anything to eat. Um, you're looking for that balance again of the carbohydrates and the protein and trying to get some, some veg in there. So don't just look for the lower calorie option because I know a lot of um, sort of fast food spots now are, are, are rolling that out. And um, yeah, so just bear that in mind when you're making a choice. It's so disappointing when you think you've been really good and you've picked a lower calorie option on a menu and it arrives and it's actually just te two teaspoons full of food and that's it. You know, it's just the quantity that's small, not the fact yeah. that it's actually, you know, better for you in any way. So, you know, in those situations, you think, oh, I should have just had a steak and salad, which would have been far better for me than this, like, tiny portion of something that's supposed to be healthy. Yeah, it's unrealistic, really, isn't it? You get it and you just feel bummed out. It's not a nice <laughs> feeling. Yeah. And then you go and get a great big chocolate bar to make yourself feel better. So you've kind of just killed off any good that you've done with that tiny portion. <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about food and the other thing we're really, really guilty of when we're at trade shows is we just don't drink enough water and you're in big air conditioned halls, you're talking to people, you maybe have a few coffees and, and you know, you can very quickly get dehydrated. So just how important is water on those trade show days and does coffee really perk you up? Is that the answer when you're getting a bit tired? I think um, when you, coffee is one of those things where if you drink a lot already, probably if you're drinking a lot at a trade show, it's not going to make that much of a difference. So actually, if you drink coffee sort of on a regular basis, then you continue that throughout the trade show, you're not going to be any more or less um, dehydrated. But if you don't drink a lot of coffee, um, you can end up and then you start, you have, you know, several cups, like you were saying, as a social thing um, at, at, you know, at a meeting or, or you know, you're watching a talk or something like that, um, you can get, I know I get quite quite jittery. So a coffee is a stimulant. So it speeds things up. So similar to when we were talking about before, making sure that if like if you are nervous and you don't usually have uh, coffee in the morning or coffee till 11 a.m., you know, and your stomach's a bit upset and you have coffee, that will get things moving because it is a stimulant. So, um, and that obviously, if it does get things moving and you end up with an unfortunate, um, you know, and let's talk about it, I'm a dietitian, you end up with an unfortunate bout of maybe the runs or something like that before you get back to you. And, you know, not a nice thing to think about, but people get, ner people get nervous and, and these sorts of things happen. So coffee not only can have, can perk you up, but also it gets things moving as well. And if so if you're, if you're um, susceptible to a 
uh, sensitive stomach, then bear that in mind because that can also obviously make you quite dehydrated. So anyways, does coffee dehydrate you? If you don't usually drink a lot of it and then you start drinking a lot at trade shows, you will have to pee more often. Um, you will lose a bit more water. And so if you can rotate like one coffee, one, you know, one bottle of water, then that's great. Um, ideally, if you can kind of switch, if you're somebody who, um, you know, you, you do need to go for those coffees, that is a social thing. Uh, you know, can you get a tea instead? That's still going to have a little bit of caffeine in it, but at least it's, it's sort of, um, less of an amount than what you would have with a coffee. And I think worth bearing in mind as well that different types of coffee, different brands will have much different levels of caffeine in them. And so if you're used to having your own brew at home and then you go and you pick up a Starbucks, which is known to be one of the higher ones with caffeine in it, then you're going to be like a rocket darting around the show. So coffee does perk you up. Um, but you know, a lot of people try and try and have a coffee as well instead of, um, instead of a snack when they're hungry, because it is actually an appetite suppressant and just eat something you know, uh, cause you do end up feeling quite, quite jittery and, and quite out of it. But I think, um, yeah, try again with the race day thing. If you drink a lot of coffee, fine, drink it at a trade show, but do make sure you're getting a lot of water because a lot of these venues are quite hot as well. And you're on your feet all day. And so, uh, you want to make sure you stay nice and hydrated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've talked there a lot about, um, kind of the sports analogies and don't change things on, on race day and kind of keep doing what you're doing. Um, just thinking about that kind of run into the trade show, the, the few days before, how do you get yourself in the, the, the best physical shape that you can? What can you do in those days beforehand just to prep yourself for the trade show environment? Yeah, I know. I have really boring answers here, Nicola. But ultimately, you know, I, I, I am a big believer. You know, you want to you want to basically have. these sort of healthier habits already. And then you're just carrying that through into the trade show. You really, really do. I mean, you want to make sure that you're continuing to eat well, um, coming up to the show. Uh, If you're feeling a bit nervous, maybe cutting back on, on the amount of fiber that you're having. So instead of, you know, going overboard on um, sort of whole grain options, or though, although those are healthy, if you're starting to feel a bit nervous, then that's something um, to adjust would be your fiber intake, but really, you know, kind of general healthy eating guidelines. So thinking of that plate. Uh, so w- when you look at sort of making a meal, um, you're looking sort of like a half to a third being fruits and vegetables on your plate, about a quarter to a third, your grains and your starches and your basically your high carbohydrate foods, and then a quarter of your plate being protein, such your chicken, your fish, your beans, um, meats, all that good stuff. So if you can take that balance and sort of move that through as you're coming into to showtime, that's, you know, that's really the way to go. But actually, that that makes me think that if you are really busy on the days leading up to the show, knowing and and sort of prepping in advance, maybe doing some batch cooking, um, you know, there are some really great companies out there now who do really good frozen meals. So I I really love Cook. I think they do a fantastic job. Um, And, you know, a lot of these things aren't the cheapest options, but if it's going to mean that you have a decent meal, sort of the the days leading up when you're quite busy running around, then, then go for it if you're able to do it. So prep as much as you can remember sort of that balanced, healthy eating plate. And, um, if you, if you are sort of getting the pre-show jitters, maybe pulling back, um, on some fiber as well, heading into those, those days. And, um, our tip from the hundreds of trade shows we've been to is always make sure you've got 
um, a loaf of bread in the freezer, a can of beans in the cupboard and some cheese for when you get home because there's nothing like beans and cheese on toast when you're <laughs> on your feet here at Trader. It's always our favourite meal. It's really boring. It's really simple, but it's what we have every single time after yeah. the show. So. Yeah. Um, so I guess your best tip from all of that really is just adopt the, the good habits now and then just keep them going into a trade show and you'll be fine. Don't suddenly try and think you've got to do it all differently on a on trade show day. Because No, like don't add stress upon stress, right? Let's uh, one step at a time here. But I think some of the, like I said, some of those um, ready meals are even buying things that are sort of half pre-prepped. So if you, you know, this is a bad example, but you know, if, if it's going to save you time chopping carrots, you buy the pre-chopped carrots. So you have a, a bag of frozen veg and you add that as opposed to chopping the veg because that saves you, you know, 10 minutes, then do that. There's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, plan ahead and get some of those easier options in um, before the show so that it, it makes, it just gives you a bit more time and, and time to relax before you head into that period of busyness. And so we've talked a lot about food, um, just in terms of kind of those long days on the trade show where you're busy talking to people, it can just be exhausting emotionally, um, mentally, physically, uh, just getting out in the fresh air, getting a bit of exercise, having a walk, clearing your head, that will all help you just feel energized for the, for the few days you're at a show well, as, as well as kind of eating well at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's that that um, notion, I can't remember the, the name of the initiative now, but basically 10 minutes a, a day counts or 10 minutes or more counts for activity. So even if it's just going for a walk around to clear your head, giving your legs a 10 minute stretch, especially if you're sitting behind the booths. I know a lot of people will um, will have sort of those desks with the chairs behind it. And maybe they, they end up standing anyways throughout the run of the show. You know, you get tired standing all day. But if you can, you know, have a walk around the show, if you if you do happen to be one at the booths where you're quite sedentary, then, then yeah, if you can go for sort of a, a 10 minute walk or a 10 minute head clearing space, that can definitely help. Absolutely. And so just thinking about the very end of the show, and I think it right... Um, Right at the start of this podcast, you were talking about balance and food being social and emotional. And if you've had a really long week, you've delivered a really good show, you're really pleased with it, you deserve a reward at the end of the week and it's okay. Don't beat yourself up if you want a bar of chocolate or a glass of wine at the end of the week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everything in moderation, including moderation. And that's the thing about nutrition is that if you read something that says, don't eat this, or, you know, this is the cure for all of your problems or eat this food. It's super, it has every nutrient in it. It's just too good to be true. And, you know, you need that variety and there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a dessert, even if when you're at the trade show, right? Like you don't have to hold out until the end of the show to have something. If you want to, by all means, go for it. But, you know, we want to try and have those have those balanced meal options throughout the run of the day. And then if you feel like a treat at some point within that, absolutely go for it. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, ideally, the, the snacks and the meals that we make more often, we want to have sort of more of the balance with the fruit and the veg and the whole grains and the fiber and the protein. Um, but there's definitely a place for, for dessert and sweets and generally just enjoying yourself. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You've worked hard enough. So. Um, yes. The final thing I just wanted to touch on is just moving away from food for a second. But um, as I mentioned earlier on, we've worked with you um, when you put panels together and you've um, hosted sessions. So just thinking for some of our listeners who do want to get involved in some of those live sessions on, on theatres at, at shows across all industries, when you're putting panels together, when you're looking for speakers, what is it that you're looking for? What do you want in a great presenter? 
Yeah, I think it's different, isn't it? Who you look for as a speaker versus who you look for as a panelist. And I think they are quite different. And I think the different is, um, and I being somebody who really likes being in both of those roles, I like hosting the panel, I like being on the panel, and I like speaking. Who would have thought after our interview today? Um, but I think I really look for somebody who, from the panelist point of view, I look for people who are really passionate about the subject they're talking about, and maybe who aren't really afraid of conflict either. Because it's really boring when you go and you listen to a panel where everybody just nods their head and has the same opinion. So for me, I really try and have it. And maybe that doesn't mean that they're an argumentative person, but it means that actually they're not going to shy away from a discussion if somebody on the panel has a different opinion to them. So for me, that's really important. Um, and also being able to articulate yourself as well. It's great if you've got all this knowledge in your head, but if you're not able to kind of explain that well to the audience, then maybe panels aren't for you, or maybe you need to give some practice sort of, um, uh, spelling things out. But ultimately, that's what I look, so, look for. So passion, good speaking skills, and not afraid to have a difference of opinion with somebody else on the panel. That's what I look that, for. Um, that difference of opinion thing is really important. I know when kind of we were writing the book and we were doing getting involved in kind of expressing our opinions about exhibitions a bit more, and you really worry about, what if somebody doesn't agree with me? And But you're not the whole story. You're, this is just your take, my take on what's happening in the industry. This is just one voice. This is what I think. And, you know, you don't have to agree with it. It's great that we've got different opinions, but have an opinion and be yeah. able to stand by it. But don't think that, you're, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be the only opinion on the industry. It's just part of a bigger conversation. So. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's been absolutely brilliant speaking with you today. I am sure people have got um, so much out of that that they didn't know before. My two top tips that I have definitely picked out the show today are um, don't change for race day. I love that analogy. So kind of don't add stress on stress and don't do something so completely different it's going to make you poorly. Um, and if you don't usually eat beans, then don't eat a load of beans on show. <laughs> So that'll be the two things I'm taking away from that. So. There you go. I love beans, but uh, it is one of those things people either love them or they hate them, don't they? But um, yeah, great. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's, it's been fantastic. Thank you, Emily. And if anybody wants to get in touch, we can share details um, of how to contact you. But um, what's your Twitter handle if people want to follow you? Sure. So it's at Glow Potential. And we also have a, um, we've just we've just launched it, but it might be of interest to your listeners, especially if they are at, at trade shows and they're talking to potential buyers or they're talking to customers, especially from the food perspective. Um, so we have a food brand nutrition crash course, and that's an online course that we teach. Um, and we've just, just launched that. So that can be found at glowingpotential.com. And um, yeah, so if you have any questions, please feel free to share my details. I'm sure uh, you will do, but our contact information is at glowingpotential.com as well. Fantastic. And that sounds um, like such a great course for anybody who's got a great idea in food and drink, but needs to understand the nutrition angles now to sell it into to buyers and to customers to, to really help them with that. So um, if anybody does want Emily's details, please get in touch. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Nicola. So thank you very much to Emily there for that conversation. We hope you found it useful. And although there were a couple of points that may have been repeated, I hope the message loud and clear was just stick to what you've always done on the trade show floor. It's uh, definitely not the time to be trying something new. 
So in a couple of weeks, we will be back on the podcast speaking to Soraya and Jamie from Fresh Montgomery. So we have a commercial director and an event director working on a show who are going to be discussing with us how you make sure that the commercial aims and the overall objectives of the show are aligned and consistent and fed right through the exhibitors. So maybe going back to a little bit of what we were talking about earlier today. So that's in two weeks time with Soraya and Jamie from Fresh Montgomery. That's it for us from for this week. So as always, you can keep in touch with us via the website, which is www.inspiringexhibitors.com. Don't forget, you can pick up your signed copy of The Exhibitionist, the book, the Amazon best-selling book over there on the website. And we will donate uh, £1 from every copy sold via our website to the National Literacy Trust. If you're not sure what the trust do, check out our social media streams. We have a video going live um, detailing exactly the help they give to vulnerable adults and children who are struggling with literacy in the UK. You know about our latest blog over on the website, which we have had some fantastic feedback from. Um, So thank you for everybody who has sent us a comment about that. We're looking at the five things that you can do to really drive your ROI. There won't be any surprises in there. There will be things you've heard from us about before. Um, but it's been getting really good traction and we've had some great comments. So that's the latest blog over on inspiringexhibitors.com. Please do sign up for the newsletter, which goes out every two weeks and keeps you updated on everything we're up to and also has some hopeful, hopefully helpful hints and tips with your exhibitioning plans. So I hope you have a great couple of weeks. I know exhibition season is live again now and people are very busy with events. We'll be out and about. So if you see us, do come say hello. Have a good two weeks and happy exhibitioning. Pop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs and future podcasts, keeping you up to date with industry insight. While there, you can also find out more about our new book, The Exhibitionist, Inspiring Trade Show Excellence. Once again, thank you for listening.